Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Deacon. And guys, today we've got a special guest coming on. Excited to get in, uh, I guess, between his ears on, on some sponsorship relationships and really everything he's got going on. Uh, we've got Josh Beertrand coming to the show. He's been uh, on the Serious Angler show quite a few times. But uh, to get him on the Business from the Basketball show, we're going to have a premise more around uh, maintaining his response his sponsorships as he's done a great job over his career of maintaining relationships with some of these guys in really long-term situations. So uh, without further ado, let's see if we can get Josh in the stream here. What's What's going on, Josh? How are you? Dude, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I haven't heard my last name pronounced like that since uh, I fished uh, the Central Opens and Chris Bowes called me Beertrand for uh, for the whole time I was fishing them. So, uh, (laughs) Great. Just wonderful. Thanks for that. It brought me back to some good memories, man. Dude, I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, oh, I got to rip it off quick. Oh, there we go. And uh, made it, did it wrong. Fantastic. <laughs> no worries. Uh, how are you tonight, dude? Dude, I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm, it's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of coming off of a sickness, so hopefully my audio is not terrible. But uh, overall, things are good. Colorado's cold. Um, is it cold down your way? You're, you're kind of near, I mean, well, where you were for the, uh, uh, you were, you're at higher elevation for the, uh, meet and greet, right? Yeah. So I live, I live just outside of Phoenix and, uh, you know, this time of year, I'm sure your listeners are all over the country. I, I better be careful before I complain about weather, you know, ever with Phoenix in the wintertime. It was cold over the holidays for Arizona. You know, the highs were in the lower 50s. Lows were around freezing. But yeah. it's warm back up. Today was like 72 here. And um, it's just typical winter here in Arizona. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and we'll get into uh, our meet and greet later, I guess. But, like, so we basically camped out this weekend for um, an event that we're doing for our podcast listeners. And yeah. I wanted to do it in like October or November. Okay. Fishing's great. Weather's great. One of our other hosts, Rob, is a diehard hunter. And he refuses to commit to anything between October and the last day of January. Um, so we had to do it in January. And I was like, at first, I was like, no big deal. No problem. But then as it got closer, I'm like, damn. We've got to, we've got to actually camp out in January now, you know. So I was, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm an outdoorsman as far as a fisherman goes, but I'm not like a tough backpacker or hunter or something like that. Like I don't camp, I don't camp overnight in the middle of the winter time very often. So uh, it could have really been bad if we would have had some extra cold weather or sure. rain or something. And we got lucky, and the low was only like in the upper 30s, and it was not windy, no rain, but. Um, I was shivering this weekend for sure. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I had listened uh, to the episode, the couple episodes right before that event, um, again on Angler, Angler's Happy Hour podcast. And um, dude, it's always a blast listening to the back and forth between you, Nick, and Rob. Um, and, and you're right. Nick is always, it seems like, hunting and stuff. So it's funny that he said no event until after January 1. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, just don't, don't set anything up because i won't be there so we waited until uh i guess his uh, he's done hunting the tags are over january 1st and uh so that's what we did and it worked out great we'll do it again next year but um yeah i'm the only only one out of all my friends that doesn't hunt i just don't have the time to do it are you a hunter yourself i am man yeah i, nice. I do 
quite a bit of waterfowl hunting and then uh, some big game stuff as well. So I'd love to get into it. I just, with, with the kids and everything like that, I don't have time for another hobby yet, but when I, you know, when they get a little older, I'm, I'm going to dive in head first. Well, you got a great mentor right there as a friend. Yeah, so that'd be sure. sweet. Yeah. Well, dude, let's, let's get into a little bit of, uh, how the event went, man. Uh, it was at Roosevelt Lake in Arizona, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's just, it's like a, an hour and a half Northeast of Phoenix, kind of out of the way a little bit, but it's our favorite Lake. And, um, you know, we set it up to be just, we, we didn't over promote it. We just kind of talked about it on the podcast and wanted the diehard listeners to come out. You know, it was our first time hosting an event like that ever. So we didn't want to have too many people there first off. Cause I, I don't know how to, how to control something like that. And uh, we just wanted uh, we wanted it to be a good time. We wanted to be able to talk to everybody, meet everybody. We had about 50 people show up and it was literally, I mean, the show's called Angler's Happy Hour. We called it our listener appreciation event, but it was just basically just a, a hangout and a happy hour. We, a lot of people brought their boats up and fished during the day and then uh, they got off the water. They, they came and we, we had a big giant group site uh, okay. reserved. So basically a, a big giant parking lot overlooking the lake with a couple of ramadas, some fire pits, uh, some tables and stuff like that. And we, uh, our buddy Blaine had cooked some uh, awesome pulled pork for everyone, some pulled pork and sides. And we ate some food, uh, you know, shot the breeze. We had a nice raffle from all of our sponsors. We gave away a bunch of stuff and then we just hung out by the fire and yeah, a lot of people had some had some drinks and just hung out all night, man. So it was fun. You know, a good amount of people camped and it was interesting to see the variety of people that came, you know, like uh, yeah. there were some people that, you know, you knew were coming, that you knew were your buddies or you knew listening to the show. And there was some that it was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm blown away that you uh, that you even listened to the podcast and you came. So it was cool. We met a bunch of people. Um, it was pretty awesome, man. And I'm sure you get you get that with your listeners. Like it, it, it connects you with a lot of people that you normally might not be connected with um, in any other scenario. So that was pretty cool. And that's the best thing about podcasting is you actually get to, to make these connections and interact with people all around the country that you otherwise would never get to connect with. Right. And it's so many, it's funny too, because people, you, you don't realize it, but you're on your show, you're talking about your, your life and, and your experiences and, People get to know you a little bit, man. And uh, I think the three of us got a real kick out of uh, uh, some of the conversations and stories that we uh, we heard when we were up there. That's awesome. No, I think that's the coolest part, too. And um, I think you guys do a great job on your show of, of bringing in your, your personal lives of, hey, what did you do last weekend, man? Like, what happened here? And uh, I think that gives a strong connection, something that I personally need to do a better job of. I feel like I've gone away from of talking about myself. Um, because what it does is it kind of brings in, uh, the listener into your life. And like you said, it, 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 just because I listen to a ton of podcasts, it makes me feel like I know that person. Right. And you never meet him. It's almost like when you see him in person, you like go to talk to him. You're like, wait a second. Like this person doesn't know who I am because I'm a, been a fan of the show. So did that happen quite a bit to you guys where people are just like, Hey gosh, like, and would just uh, go in and sound like they're your, a really good friend, but it's just because they yeah. knew you from the show. I totally understand because I listen to so many podcasts and, and you feel like you get to know these people. But I think your problem, Adam, is you don't have a big enough ego, dude. You need to 
the, see the three of us on our podcast, we got big egos. So we love talking <laughs> to ourselves, but uh, I you think uh, it's hard for you because you're actually a decent human being. That must be no, what it is. That's not it. That's definitely not it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, how was the fishing? Did you guys catch fish? Did you fish at all? Or were you too busy setting up the event, man? Yeah, we just set up uh, fishing. Had so that Lake Roosevelt Lake. I can't remember if last time we talked, if you said you'd been there before or not. I, know I haven't, man. I haven't. There's been a lot of guys from Colorado that'll go down and fish that place normally because there's an early derby in the year. Um, but I've never been, man. Um, okay, I haven't been there. So it's 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 a pretty cool lake, and without going too deep into it, it's a lake. It's the biggest lake we have in central Arizona. It's really where I cut my teeth fishing tournaments and the water level on a lot of our lakes that fluctuates a lot. That lake I've seen it as low as 30% and I've seen it at hundred percent multiple times. And right now it's going through a new lake effect. So it had lived down low pretty, pretty long, had a couple good winters and it filled up and uh, the fishing has been off the charts for the last year up there. As far as numbers and big fish go, it's been amazing. And to be honest, since my tournament season ended, I've been having some, I I came home and told my wife, I was like, I won't do too many guide trips. I just want to hang out with the family. 25 guide trips later, after the (laughs) fishing was awesome, I promised her I'd stop for the rest of January. So it's been (laughs) awesome. But we had, we had some weather last week and the water came up like four or five feet. It cooled off. And unfortunately the fishing stunk for our event. But thankfully, um, the fishing was like the least important thing. I mean, I think we had maybe 15 guys, uh, 15 boats that came to our event actually go out. And I'd be, uh, I bet there weren't probably 30 fish caught total, but uh, they didn't care. You know, it it wasn't one of those things that we were really worrying about the fishing. So thankfully, uh, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an excuse to get out and, and, january and go meet a bunch of people talk fishing and hang out man it sounds like a great time yeah yeah it'll it'll improve out there but it just happened to be bad bad luck with it with fishing after a big water level rise like that it's it'll get good again but right after the water comes up that quick Mm -hmm. you know you're gonna you're gonna have a couple tough weeks following that for sure and was this uh, and i assume I, i was listening to the episode where you guys had cliff perch on and uh, we're talking about the big shad population in this place, right? Where there's just, once those fish get four pounds and over, they just have a massive plentiful food source where they can really grow. Gizzards, yeah. yeah. Big gizzards, yeah. Yep, yep. So it's, it's interesting to watch their diet go from fish on a lot of lakes, really school by size. And I think a huge part of that is is the forage they're eating, right? And they're working sure. together to, to go after a certain type of forage. And uh, this this winter, when I was on these big giant schools of spoonfish, it was threadfin deal, and we we'd be catching sixty fish a day, but you'd be lucky to catch one over three pounds. But if you might have picked up a swim bait or something like that and gone shallow, you could you could catch a big one, but you're going to catch a lot less. Um, so it's interesting that lake's a real big example of uh, you know of fish schooling by size and chasing a certain type of bait fish. And if you're in a tournament looking for big fish you've got to leave those big schools alone because typically you won't catch a big one out of those. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, that sounds like a really cool fishery. Glad to hear that it's on the rise. Um, would love to, uh, to get down that way, especially like you said, sometime when it's cold up here, that's the place you to got go. It. Maybe, maybe the next angler happy hour, uh, event, man. Come down, dude. We'll take you anytime. 
Sweet, dude. Man, well, uh, with with all that, let's get into a little bit about your fishing uh, setup for 2022, man. Where are you at? You you've got what less than a month now, and you're you're on the road to Texas, aren't you? Yeah, well, I guess Louisiana. It is Louisiana, yeah, and it's coming up really quick. You know, as a as a tournament fisherman that fishes all year, you know the the season's really busy, and then it slows down in like the end of September, early October, typically. November is a nice month. December is a nice month. And then January just gets crazy. The shows are starting. Uh, there have been less shows with COVID, but they, there still are shows. Um, and then you've got all the preparation and everything for the next year. And um, it just it's one of those things that uh, you try to get ahead of it as much as you can. But product maybe only show, is only able to show up after New Year's. Um, it just is what it is. And uh, – it, January ends up being a crazy month and this January is no different. Um, it's, it's been, it looks like it's going to be a pretty wild one for me. And uh, it's actually due to all the shortages of different products and stuff like that because of COVID, it looks like my craziness of January is going to leak all the way into February and March. So oh, no, um, man. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, a madman for the first couple months of the season. I'll, I'll still be ready to fish these tournaments, but, um, you know, half of my equipment and gear is going to be 2021 equipment and half of it's going to be 2022. And hopefully by March, I'll be like in full 2022 mode. Sure. And, and you're, you're talking from the perspective. I mean, I've heard from a couple of different anglers now that sponsors had come back and said, um, you know, keep your boat from 2021 or keep this equipment from 2021 because we're not going to have it to you by then. Is that what you're kind of yeah, referring to? Exactly. Is just not everything's it's there. Not fault. It's not anyone's issue. Like or not anyone's fault. It just is the way things are going right now. And, uh, it's all good. It's, 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 it's a, it's a good problem to have, you know, it's, I only have a 2021 nitro bass. So, <laughs> yeah. it's so bad, dude, but I'll, <laughs> I'll make a couple months with this old, this old 12 month, month old boat that I've got here. But, uh, it's just, it's funny. Cause like typically December, January as a fisherman, I've been doing it for 10 years now that's what that month is dedicated for. And uh, now it's going to kind of get crammed into March um, during the Derby season. It's all good, you know, but yeah, I've got, so we've got a really front loaded schedule for MLF two for the Bass Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. We've got three tournaments in February. February is already the shortest month of the year. We've got three tournaments that month. And then we have a week and a half off and then Red Crest. So that week and a half is going to be a big week for me. That's the uh, week that I'm going to cram everything into and uh, be able to fish the rest of the new year on, you know, out of a new boat and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Get everything set up right before the championship. That's really cool. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be even cooler if I was doing it now, but it'll still be cool <laughs> when I do it in that week in March for sure. And again, I'm not blaming. It's, it's all good. It's, it's all good. Yeah. It's, um, it's the scenario and, and pretty much everyone's in state we're in. Yeah. yeah. Dang man. Well, and, and I've always said like, and, and you're exactly right. Right. Like we can, you could sit here and say, oh man, I have to run a 2021 another year, like, or whatever it is. Right. And like everyone, there's, everyone takes that differently, but from my perspective, and I've only owned two bass boats now, two actual bass boats. And for how much time that it goes into prepare and, and put the graphs on how I want them to be put on and all this kind of stuff, I don't envy having to get a new boat every year <laughs> necessarily from that perspective. It's a lot of work. 
It really is. And uh, again, yeah, it's, they're real first world problems, but it does like by the time you get everything set up the way you want to set it, set it up, it's time to turn it over to someone else. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, you know, I mean, these boats are good for years and the motors are good for years and the electronics are good for years. Um, but you want to be running the most current stuff to be able to showcase the, the best stuff your sponsors have. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, it, it takes, I mean, you don't just go pick up your boat and it's tournament ready. It takes days and days of, you know, setting up your electronics, making sure this is perfect. That's perfect. Um, you know, no matter what, no matter how good the boat is, the motor is, how, how well it's rigged. There's a, a lot of times a surprise or two waiting for you when you get out of the water the first time. Right. And, uh, and then you've got to get the, the, get it wrapped, get the carpet decals done, get the motor officially broken into where it's, I mean, it's for, like I said, it's typically a month long process for me. So um, I'm going to have to cram it in, in a week and that's no big deal. Um, we'll make it work, but uh, that's just that it's, dealing with uh the world the way it is today just like everybody else sure man exactly well that's kind of a good segue talking about nitro boats and um bass pro shops or or and that whole situation for you man i mean that has been you have run a nitro your entire career right it might run my off on that no you're right and it's it's pretty crazy it goes yeah. even a lot further than you know bro it's pretty wild right, right? so yep when uh when I was a teenager, really getting into bass fishing, mm -hmm. our family had an, an aluminum boat. And, uh, you know, I grew up fishing out of an aluminum boat. And uh, our our very first bass boat was a uh, – it we, we bought a used 1994 Nitro when I was like 16. And it was the first real bass boat I ever had. And, uh, dude, it's, it's all I've ever had since then. I, I uh, got onto the local Nitro state team. I was 16 years old. Uh, my first job was detailing boats and rigging boats at the local nitro dealership. No way. 16, 17, 18. Yep. And um, I was terrible mechanically, man. I, I, I messed up enough boats. I think that they eventually moved me into sales and I sold <laughs> nitro boats for, for about a year. Okay. And I got into like full-time guiding and fishing from that. But Literally, uh, you know, I'm 33 now, and uh, my connection with uh, Nitro Boats and Bass Pro goes all the way back to where I, when I was 16. Wow, that is awesome. That is a sure. legitimate, long-standing relationship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, I remember opening up the Bass Pro catalogs, you know, before that, and just dreaming about these boats. You'd turn, and I remember all the boat models that I would drool over. And, uh, it is pretty, it's pretty awesome, man. I'm pretty lucky to be able to fish out of this, literally the same boats that I dreamt about looking through the Bass Road catalog as a kid. It's very cool, man. Well, and, and maybe we can do a little bit of a deep dive on, and this is what I kind of want to get into is maybe, uh, did that relationship for you stem from that initial, uh, employment and situation with that, or was that further down the road or, or where did that kind of all start for you? It definitely, I would say that started it and it, it probably played into it a lot. Um, okay. You know, everything in life is, uh, is all about timing, right? And um, things just kind of worked out the way they did to, you know, all these different nitros I've been in. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say 
me personally, after all those experiences at a young age and wanting to be in a nitro boat, watching Kevin Van Dam fish out of a nitro boat, um, having a nitro dealership close to where I lived, mm-hmm. knowing some of the guys that were on the nitro team that kind of helped me get into, into the front door, um, that all led to like this long lasting relationship. But I mean, it really started at that state team level where I mean, we just had a used nitro boat and I was a kid. And um, a friend of mine, it's a friend of mine now, Matt Shura, he saw like the dedication I had as a kid. He was a, he, Matt is a is a, a really good Arizona angler, Arizona fisherman. He was on the Nitro State team, and uh, you know he would bring me to the state team meetings and stuff like that. Help me get the job at the dealership, and uh, when it was time to finally, I finally, I was I was guiding fishing fishing full time. Uh, at 1819, I was like, I went to get my own, my, my own first nitro boat myself, you know, yeah. that I was going to buy myself. And, um, I, I did it through the nitro state, the Arizona nitro state team. So a state team, the state team deal still goes, it's still a really big deal countrywide for nitro and tracker boats. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of great fishermen on the state teams around the country. And uh, it's, it's a really beneficial deal for Nitro because these guys are good ambassadors for the brand. They, they work the boat shows. They, they talk the products up all year long and in return, they, you know, they get a little bit of a discount buying that boat, not necessarily what a professional angler will get. Sure. But um, a good deal on a boat. And uh, that's where it started for me. And uh, that's blossomed all the way to now. I mean, I've probably had a dozen of them. Awesome, man. That's really cool. And, and, uh, like you said, timing, man, like with everything, it's, it's this, this seed got planted in your head because of this guy. And then, you know, oh, well I watched Kevin fish out of this. It it sounds like there was no other way you were going to go to a different boat. Like it, when you, especially as you climbed the ranks, it was nitro. That was what you were going to do. And, and Hey, also, you know, it's one of those things too, where, and again, I'm not going to act like I haven't been lucky in some of these, just, you know, having a good tournament at the right time or meeting the right person at the right time. A lot of that boils down to luck and Nitro is no different than anyone else with, with my sponsors, but like, um, you know, what lining yourself with companies that you do want to be with forever is a really big deal too. And, uh, in a couple of these cases, and this is, that's one in, for example, it's, it's a company that I, I, I mean, Kevin Van Dam is the, ultimate example he's the best fisherman in the world has yep. been for the last 20 30 years and he's fishing out of a nitro it's like how how can you top that right like if the best dude is fishing out of that boat that's what i want to be doing you know sure. i don't know if i'll ever be kevin van dam and i'm pretty sure now it's i'm not gonna be but <laughs> if he's fishing out of a nitro i want to also sure sure Gee, that's awesome and um yeah like as far as your brands, man, and I'm just looking at a picture of your jersey here. Like, you've been someone who, who like, stuff doesn't change. I mean, do you have any, like, there's, there's, it seems to me like there's, there's definitely a lot of anglers where one sponsor uh, never really changes. And there's a lot of anglers where sponsors are pretty consistent. And then there's some anglers where it's flip flopping and you see stuff changing all the time. Um, what has kind of been your philosophy or do you have anything to, to really point to and say, look, this is why I've been able to kind of maintain some of these relationships or, or what's your kind of thoughts there? 
It's a good question. And it's, it's really funny, dude, because I'm going into my 10th year fishing like full time. I, I started, I fished six years on the elites and now it's going to be my fourth year at MLF. So I would consider it my 10th year fishing professional tournaments. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been lucky to have, I've got like six or seven or eight sponsors that I've had since I started. And, That's uh, awesome. it's hard to believe, especially some of the non-endemic companies that like the endemic sponsors, they can always change, but you see them last a little bit longer at times. The non-endemic companies, a lot of times are like, they might be good for a year or two and then that's it. And I've been lucky to have some of these relationships for a long time. And I'm obviously, you know, I I feel super lucky, super thankful. Um, I think a lot of it is, is just that it's just luck and and them being the right companies. Um, You know, I try to work hard no matter what, you know, no matter if I'm fishing well or not fishing so well, I'm always trying to, to be working hard for the companies, but um, Mm. I don't know, man, if, if you have to, when I think about it, I, I would say if you're an angler that's, that's on the front side of that curve and is looking for companies and wants to be aligned with them for a long time, you know, I, maybe, maybe some of the reasons where I started a little bit slow, as far as I, I wasn't asking for the farm right off the bat, you know, I, I started, mm-hmm. I was willing to take a little bit less to get aligned with a company that I wanted to be with for a long time. And I slowly worked. I'm slowly, you know, have worked my way up the ladder. Um, I didn't, maybe I would have, if I would have shopped around, I could have made a little bit more in the short term from someone else, but I'd be happy having to shop for another partner again the next year. Um, so, and, and uh, you know, even up to this point, I try to, I try to keep things, you know, uh, fair on both sides. I try not to ask too much and I try to, um, you know, try to keep things fair on, on all sides, but I really, I think a lot of it is just luck. And, um, and of course the personal relation, you know, luck, good luck doing your job, working hard. You've got to catch some fish. Um, you've got to be showing that you're, you're working hard on all fronts and, um, you know, uh, and I don't know, I, it's, it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to pinpoint. I hope it continues every year. I'm like, you know, <laughs> when you know, when am I you know when is this going to change and it just continues to go so knock on wood it continues for a lot longer. That's awesome. I mean, and, and like the biggest thing that I hear from you there is that you're you're willing to play the long game, right? Like you're you're looking at these situations as a this is I'm not looking for the immediate paycheck, and I think that this applies outside of the fishing world too. That in a long term situation you can you can have a lot more of a fruitful career or um, have that paycheck be way higher later in your life if people are willing to take a step back and uh, be realistic about where they are and and learn from that relationship in the beginning and and watch it kind of grow and um, sounds like that's exactly kind of kind of more of your thought process there yeah, and, and I think you're totally right. It makes a lot of sense, especially now as 33 years old listening to it. At 23, I probably wasn't smart enough to have that foresight. I probably got lucky. <laughs> but the way you explained it there, it sounds really smart. And uh, I, I do think you're totally spot on, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, and and the non-endemic side is, is really uh, fascinating to me. Um, like you said, we've seen so many different it, it, 
non-endemic sponsors. And it seems to me when it's almost like a, a non-endemic comes into the industry and takes on a team like the Crown Royal, right? Or like a Walmart or these major, major brands come in and they uh, throw a bunch of money at, at a group of guys or uh, at an organization. And, and, and then um, like, it's a very quick burn relationship and then it, it changes. Right. And then that guy's like, Oh my gosh, like I had a major title sponsor that was paying all my bills and now I have to find another one. And I just can't imagine that stress, man. Yeah. It's, it's one of those that like, and e- even over the years I've had a couple things come at me where it was like, you might have a chance here to make something work and, and make a lot right now, but you're going to have to push this stuff aside. Mm. And I've actually just been like, it sounds awesome. It's very tempting, but I'm going to keep what I got. You know, I've got some great relationships going. Uh, I'm not going to put them to side and insult them or, or not insult them, but like just kind of, I'm not going to push them down the totem pole to bring someone in who it literally could just be a one year deal. And then, I, you know, I'm starting from scratch again. I, you know, it's, it's, Sometimes those things work out really, really well, but, um, you know, you got to go with your gut on that. And if it doesn't feel right, then, um, it's probably not the right thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think too, um, if you were to like the fishing industry small enough and just in general, if you're going to, if you're going to burn a bridge, man, there's, there's no way you can go back to that sponsor and say, well, that guy didn't work out. You mind if we, uh, we do what we did before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the truth is it, you should never burn a bridge in general. Like, I mean, there's, there's are times when things business is business. And I've, I've been in a couple scenarios where I had to do something because it made sense. And, uh, you know, I've explained it like that to the sponsor I was having to walk away from. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they've been nice enough to be like, well, if you ever need us, you know, let us know. And, and hopefully, um, I handled those things the right way. And hopefully if that ever situation ever arose, that that would be how it would work out. But, you know, yeah, yeah it, it, if you, if you do things the right way in that scenario, you might, you might end up doing, you know, okay. If things don't work out on the other side, but, um, it's like a big game of chess, man. But, um, you know, no matter what, it's still, it's just the biggest thing is, is, is trying to work with companies who you really, who it feels right to you and it feels good to you products that you want to support products that you believe in people that you want to work with. And, um, you know, and it's a lot easier to maintain those relationships than having to force something that doesn't feel right or isn't right to you. Yeah, dude. I think the people's a big side of that. Um, I think that that is a, is a good point. And I don't think that's talked about enough um, with, with anglers is if you're with a group of guys with the or, an organization where the person that your contact is or your, your team or whoever you're working with are people that you like and, and be around, that's, that's huge. That makes your life so much better. <laughs> you're totally right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome to be able to, you know, if you have an issue, just be able to not even think twice and pick up the phone and be like, Hey dude, what the heck is, you know, what's up with this, you know, or like, Hey, we need this or we got to, you know, what's, what's going on with this rather than like, Hmm, really don't want to make that, that guy mad. So how can, how should I do this tactfully? You know, like it's uh, it's yeah. great to be working with people that, um, 
are are easy to work with that you get along with and uh, honesty is really it's really important man you know you got to be able to be honest on both fronts and you want them to be comfortable with you just like you're comfortable with them and that only that comes with time but um and and hey in the fishing industry that's also it's not always the luxury that you have because people change positions people change jobs sure and, you know we've all seen it with all these different companies uh so it's a, it's not always a luxury but man is it is it nice when you really get along with the people you're working with for sure yeah and well with with some of that with some of your relationships that have been a 10-year situation uh has that i mean do do positions change often enough to where you've worked with like completely all it's all new guys now or some of those guys the same like does that stuff move pretty quick yeah with the bigger companies it's much more of a revolving wheel you know the smaller Mm. companies it's a lot of times it's not but um with the bigger companies for sure man and there's just um sometimes it's easier than others but um you know, right now I feel like everything's in a really good place as far as the companies I'm working with. The, the fishing industry is doing really well in general. You know, sure. right now fishing industry is doing great other than just having trouble getting product. The sales are off the charts. More people are fishing. So the morale is really good with a lot of these companies. But, yeah, you know, over the years I could actually look back at a few of the companies I've worked with. And, like, yeah, over 10 years I might have had three or four different bosses. Wow or people I reported to with the same company for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's definitely some turnover there. I got you. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, as far as your non endemics go, so you're still with smoky mountain herbal snuff. Yeah. Has that been someone from the beginning? I feel like I've seen them on your Jersey forever, dude. Yeah. So yeah, they are. And I, uh, you know, I heard a commercial on Sirius XM 10 years ago. Okay. And I was like, wow, that sounds like a perfect company to, to you know, get into fishing because, you know, so many folks Huge. in the outdoors through tobacco and this is an alternative. You use this stuff to get off tobacco, to quit chewing tobacco. And uh, I, I called him up and emailed him. And what do you know, man, the CFO loved bass fishing. And, oh. um, you know, that at least gave me an opportunity to have a conversation, right? It didn't, he wasn't like, okay, yeah, here, come take this money. But sure. it was like, well, at least hear this kid out because, you know, hey, it, it, that sounds interesting and it does sound like a good market for us. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's worked out great. And uh, those guys are they're like family to me now. And uh, they're a great company. You know, they're they're based out of Texas. And, uh, man, I've been thankful to have them on board for a long time. They they, uh, they sponsor Chipper Jones, um, wow. Randy White. And uh, Matt Duff, he's a hunter. They also sponsor Major League Fishing as a league. But I want to do something with Chipper Jones, man. I was the biggest Chipper Jones fan as a as a kid growing up. I loved baseball. Yeah, and, dude, I'd be if I ever got to fish with Chipper Jones, I'd be starstruck. I need to set something up, to, to dude. Yeah, I feel like ten years or, or however long with the brand, man. You've had enough relationship at this point. You got to you got to swing some weight a little bit. Yeah, they should give me a cell phone number. I should ask. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> what and what kind of uh, baseball player like to, what doesn't want to come fish, man? I mean, like oh, there's so many guys who play baseball. Right? I don't know if you ever watched baseball or watched Chipper when he played, but um, yeah, he was notorious for having a big chew, you know. So this stuff's been great for him. But I'd love to go fishing with him one day. That's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah, and and uh, man, I think the biggest thing there that I picked up was like 
you had a um like you said it didn't it didn't give you the relationship it wasn't handed to you right you went looking for it but what got you in the door there always has to be some way to get into the door and what got you in the door is the guy the guy knew bass fishing right the CFO yeah. knew bass fishing gives you a chance anyway it gives you a chance yes, to talk and connect you're totally right it, it, you know otherwise i mean i've had plenty of embarrassing phone calls where i didn't know i mean dude especially when i was starting i didn't know anything about marketing yeah. and i mean i'd call these cfos or or you know people that were in these positions and or, you know marketing directors and stuff and literally sounded like an idiot you know because i didn't know what i was talking about but the fact that he did like fishing at least you know uh, he had a little bit of a soft spot for me and got me in the door and he helped me along the way this this gentleman named Dan over at Smoky Mountain, he helped me along the way, and um, I'm really appreciative for it, for sure. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, did you, were you a guy, especially when you were just starting out, were you, were you taking a bunch of no's? Were you knocking on a bunch of doors? Or did you get your, your, your couple of wins and, and said, look, I'm locked in with these guys? I mean, did it, was it a, was it a tough battle for you in the beginning? Yeah, you know, I, I knew I wanted to fish for a living at a pretty young age and I didn't know how I was going to do it. If I was going to be a full-time guide, uh, if I was going to fish tournaments, I wanted to fish tournaments. That's what I loved. I just didn't know how feasible it would be for me. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, I was starting from an early age and yeah, I took, I took a lot of notes for sure. And again, like I said, I, I had a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I had a lot of, I learned by trial and error, you know, I, I was, I didn't go to college. I didn't have a, a degree in marketing or anything like that. And I didn't really early on have anyone like guiding me. I, and luckily I met some, uh, a few people that really helped me out along the way. And they definitely deserve a lot of credit as far as anything that worked out for me. A lot of it was information I pulled from them and used myself. That was really helpful, but um, yeah, no doubt about it, especially early on. And even after, you know, the first year I had qualified for the elite series and uh, I qualified in 2012. Um, it didn't come as easily as I expected the next year to get sponsorship. And I just thought, Hey, since you made the show, you're going to, it's all going to come easy now. And it yeah. took a year of getting out there and proving myself before things became a little bit easier inside the fishing industry. And it didn't change things outside the fishing industry a ton, but it really helped with my sponsors inside the fishing industry and uh, mm. you know, everything else has kind of fallen in line since then a little bit, but um, you know, now it's really, you know, you're always looking for new sponsors or partners or opportunities that you're always looking. But um, my big thing, you know, over the last handful of years has been really preserving and growing this, the relationships I've got, you know, trying to help the brands out as much as I can. And um because they are the brands that I want to be with. It's not like I'm trying to climb up the ladder to a different company. Like I'm, I'm where I want to be. I just need to try to do what I can to uh, preserve it and strengthen it. And uh, you know, Hey, I've, I've done some of that. And there's also some of it that I'm still working on doing and, and need to improve on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's a work in progress for sure, man. But no, I think uh, that's exactly right. Dude. Like you, you, um, that's why I think this was a great, uh, episode topic with you is that uh, your goals are to kind of maintain some of those relationships. And um, I think that's a, that's a big deal and, and plays a 
clearly a, a big role in uh, consistency and everything too. Just uh, knowing uh, kind of where your income's coming every year and all that. It's all a, it's all a big deal, and it makes everyone happy, including yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, it's a uh, uh, you know, it's it's. I guess in sales, they say it's a lot. It's a lot better for you to try to keep a customer than to try to find a new customer, right? Like it's yes. much more like beneficial. That. And if you've got a great partner, you know, you should be putting all your effort into trying to do what you can to make that partner happy and uh, keep that relationship going, uh, you know, forever, for sure. I like that, dude. That's a good, good connection with, with bass fishing. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt about it. That's awesome. Well, dude, uh, we'll kind of get into wrapping some things up here. Um, I'm just curious from a personal perspective, what are you most excited for in 2022 for the 22 season on, uh, I guess from a schedule standpoint or anything, man, what's, what's it going to be? What are you most excited for going into 2022? Well, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. Obviously, you know, it's another year of, uh, of fishing and we've got a great fishing wise. We've got a great schedule laid out. Um, I feel like, you know, I last two years ago, I had a, a pretty good year. I had a couple chances to win tournaments and uh, you know, just a good year. This past year was very run of the mill for me. I ended up in a decent spot in points. I made red crest. I made heavy hitters, but I never had a chance to win a tournament. You know, I never hit a home run. And it's real easy to sit here and say, hey, I'm going to try to hit some home runs and win a tournament this year. <laughs> but uh, it's just going to be a, it's a really important year for me to, to be really sharp and try to and, and really try to do that. I mean, I've got no excuses as far as last year. You know, a co- I had a couple of tournaments where I was on fish, but little dumb things on my part, not being sharp, uh, not being fully prepared may have cost me. Uh, top 10 finish and anytime you get the top 10 it gives you a chance you've got a chance to win so this year I mean I'm putting uh, I wouldn't say a lot of pressure on myself but I'm I'm expecting a lot and uh, I'm I'm really committed to trying to be uh, just just have no excuses and uh, and really give myself a chance at having a couple hitting a couple home runs you know and that's that's the goal. I mean, it's, it's great to have a solid year, cash checks, make the championship. That's cool. That keeps you in the game, but nothing, nothing is, is more exciting or better than having, you know, uh, really high finishes and having a chance to win. So I, I really, really, no matter what, you know, um, be great to have a consistent year, but I really, really want to have a couple, you know, big tournaments. That's my goal. I like it, man. Putting yourself in a position to win. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, easier said than done, right? We'll see. But, uh, that's the, uh, that's the goal anyway. That's man. the goal. I yeah. like it. Well, man, I end all, uh, all the business from the Bass Boat shows with your three biggest, um, so biggest small mouth, large mouth, spotted bass and where you were when you caught them. Nice. Well, so I'll start if you with can the say, one. If it's not some secret place. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll I'll start with the one that's obvious. It's a twelve. It's a largemouth, and I caught this thing. It really is one of the fish that got me hooked in fit on fishing. I was like twelve or thirteen years old. I caught a twelve pound uh, largemouth, a legit twelve. It was weighed on a certified scale in the marina. Caught it on a topwater on uh, right after Thanksgiving. It was one of those deals where like 
I would never throw a top water on that lake that late in the year yeah. now, but it worked for me once, you know? So <laughs> that got me hooked on fishing. Uh, and dude, you're, it, this sounds kind of dumb, but the smallmouth and spot, yeah. no idea. I've never, you know, like, uh, I don't, I, I'm one of those guys that rarely brings a scale with me in the boat. And, uh, I'm sure one of my biggest smallmouth is just somewhere pre-fishing you know, I mean, I can think of a few, you know, one on Lake Erie. Um, I mean, I, I have no idea, dude. I mean, it's uh, somewhere between six and seven pounds, but I have no idea how big. It might, might be 6.0 or it might be 6.9. Uh, you know, I'd like to say 6.9, but I doubt it. But I, I really don't know. And then a spot, same thing. I don't know how big, you know. So in Arizona, one one funny misconception is, a lot of people think Arizona has spots and it has no spots. Um, California never guess that spotted bass, right? California is loaded with spotted bass, but I don't get to fish for them locally, especially on those big spotted bass lakes like they have up in Northern California. So my biggest would be, I remember the fish. I caught it on a, a football jig out of a brush pile. I was practicing for a classic in uh, 2018, no 2017, no 2018. And, uh, it was a big one, but it wasn't crazy, man. It was probably about a five pound or something like that. Gotcha. Um, it yeah. was a giant spot, but it's big nothing spot. like Cody Meyer, one of some of these guys out the west. Yeah, yeah, but it's still, I mean, that's a as a big spot. But that's, I and I think we talked a little bit on the Serious Angler show uh, as far as not being uh, spots in in Arizona, which is just absurd to me because in Colorado on one of our desert lakes on Pueblo Reservoir, they have them in there, and it's a as deserty i mean dude it looks like mead it looks like any other desert lake and um they do well man i mean like they they thrive and and they're fun and they go and disappear and you got to go chase them out deep and it's uh i'm sure they do well you know on some of your lakes but that's interesting the arizona parks or you know you guys don't have any spots yeah yeah and, and that's just it i mean i'm glad to hear they do well there because i think they would do well here they just have never been introduced and uh also, like it's ninety percent largemouth here. Like we have some smallmouth fishing where I live, but it's just ninety percent largemouth. So I'd love to see some spots. Um, that's amazing. The bucket biologists, fishermen have never made uh, made yeah. the. <laughs> but there aren't even any close, right? I mean, it's a long way. Like to drive from here, you're probably the closest spotted bass where you live, dude, and it's not uh -oh. not that close. So yeah, yeah, you know, I'd love to see it one day. That would be cool. Well, and and I mean too, like, and I think right? Like spotted bass being normally in clear water and, and sight feeders to some extent. Like I think that they would do well in, in those places. They would, kill. They would do awesome, dude. Yep. That's cool. No, yeah. And, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting one day to see something like, because like, I mean, on like Havasu, dude, those smallmouth are massive. They get big and they get mean and it's wicked. And that's it. I could see them doing well there or, or on a lot of different clear. Yeah, we've got some lakes that even get a lot deeper, and and they would. I think they would be great at bat. We've got a couple lakes where the stripers mm. are too dominant, and I feel like the spotted bass would help combat the stripers and knock them down a little bit, put them in their place. But um, yeah. you know, it's uh, they haven't been introduced, but maybe one day. Maybe one day, like yeah. you said, maybe a bucket biologist or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably shouldn't say that. Nope, nope, <laughs> said it, not me. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Josh, man, I appreciate you taking the time out, man. Uh, where can guys follow along? Um, again, uh, you can go ahead and, and say anything you want as far as uh, yourself personally, as well as uh, your show, man. Again, big listener. I would like to next year. Uh, I need to figure out on the schedule. Let me know if the Angler Happy Hours meetup is in January again or when it is, because I'd like to, to figure out how to make it down there. Man. It's not that hey, far. Dude, that's awesome. Well, we'd love to have you, man, because we love listening to you guys as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, just it, easy Facebook, Instagram, it's uh, at Josh Bertrand fishing. And then, uh, yeah, if you like podcasts, which clearly you do, you're listening to, to this one. Um, our podcast is called anglers happy hour. And, um, you know, I love how you've got a different spin on your show, man. It's really unique. And, uh, I feel like ours is a little bit different too. It's, yeah. it, we do talk some nuts and bolts fishing. We have some pretty legit guests on at times and ask them fishing questions, but just as often we ask, we have them on and ask them, you know, just about regular everyday stuff. And the show is called Angler's Happy Hour because it's it's myself and two of my best buddies, and um, it's 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 literally just like sitting down at uh, dinner or at the bar after fishing all day and just shooting the breeze. So um, pretty pretty uh, random topics on the show, but um, we always have a good time and uh, we always try to touch on fishing a little bit. So. Um, you know, the, the guys I do it with, a couple of them are pretty funny. And uh, we always try to at least sprinkle one or two nuggets of knowledge into the show. Um, if you if you at least make it to the end. And you're dead on. It's a lot of laughs and a, and a lot of knowledge as well. There's some juice. And then there are some times where I just find myself like cracking up. And my girlfriend's like, what are you laughing about? I'm like, nah, it's a podcast. Just <laughs> let it go. Nick, Nick is quite the comedian, man. His, his life is an absolute debacle. And I love him to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love it too because he doesn't even like it's always buying something that breaks or just and it's always like uh, his own fault, you know what I mean? And he just exactly. dude, he bought a new F150 and uh new and, like new like newer. Like a year old, right? Okay, and every, yeah, yeah. He, uh, everyone that came to our meet and greet was so disappointed in him for having a new reliable vehicle. Like they were open to see one of his like crappy vehicles that he broke, broke down on on the way up to the lake. And uh, they're like, dude, that's like the most plain Jane run of the mill, reliable truck you could get. Sell out dude. What a sell out. Exactly. But no, he's still got his, his piles of crap. That's for sure. That's good. Well, I guess good that he's got a reliable vehicle, but man, he should have read the crowd. Man, I know. Yeah, he bummed everyone out. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. Well, Josh, man, thanks for taking the time out, man, uh, for coming on the show. And uh, we'll have to connect um, again. I'm going to try. I'd like to make Red, Red Crest uh, this year. We'll see if I awesome. uh, make that happen. But um, if not, man, we'll, we should connect on the road sometime or uh, I'll get down your way for sure. Yep. Hey, you got an open spot on my boat any day, man. So I'd love to do that. Heck yeah. Awesome. All right, Josh. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Adam. I'll talk to you soon, dude. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, 
this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.